This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. Well, as I've said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented, and you can script everything but the outcome. And that's why this time of year is so much fun. In our complex world, there are objective truths and there are personal feelings. And our job tonight and every night is to make sure you don't confuse the two. And on that note, on Bernie Friday, we're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And tonight, we answer the question... Are the 3-0 Raiders really for real? Spoiler alert, the answer might be yes. I'll explain. And while we're at it, we'll analyze the teams in the, in the NFL who are trending upward and who are trending downward as we head into week four of the 2021 NFL season. And while we're at it, in about 15 minutes, we'll give you our top 10 takeaways of this young NFL season as we head into October. After Bruin Finley's update, we'll talk about which teams have performed best against the spread and by what margin and which teams have performed worst against the spread and whether you can trust these early results. And, of course, we'll wrap up the show with the latest from Las Vegas as the handles race wild. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Alexander Madison, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, let's get right to it. Are the 3 0 Raiders for real? We all know that the Raiders get hyped all the time because they're the Raiders. And I always said it's good for the NFL when the Raiders are doing well because they're a polarizing team. People either love the Raiders or they hate the Raiders. And the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. You have to have the same emotion invested. And let's face it, the Raiders really haven't been relevant in the postseason since Moses wore cargo pants. So, they're 3-0, and big Monday night game, are they for real? By the way, did you know, in case you missed it, all three Raiders victories thus far this year came against teams who all won at least 10 games last year. That's something. But there are three reasons, I think, why the Raiders really might be for real. First of all, it's turning out they have a terrific pass rush led by Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. Even without sacks, they're getting pressures, and that matters because when it comes to busting up the timing of a pass play as it forms in the National Football League, it matters. Number two, Derek Carr is playing at an exclusive level. Yes, the numbers are there. He's already thrown for more than 1,000 yards, but he looks different. He's fearless now. His leadership is tangible. And the Raiders' wide receiver core of Ruggs, Edwards, Renfro, and Waller, they're talented, they're clutch, they're confident, they've been making plays right and left. Finally, the third reason, home games at Allegiant Field are a lot like when Coach Morris Buttermaker used to tell his opponents when the bad news bears got good, come to Las Vegas for road games means bad news for the other guys. It's true. It's crazy out there. But it's more than that. There's something that feels different about this year's Las Vegas Raiders. It's more than their impressive opening season wins. They beat Baltimore after being down by two touchdowns. They head into Pittsburgh. And although that said plenty about how far this current group appears to be forming, we all know the Raiders have flirted with success in the past. 
They tease their fans. They show their potential and ultimately leave you standing on the tarmac when it looks like they're ready to grab the prize. But this year's squad has seen, I think, a noticeable growth. And they've got a bunch that's really sort of gritty and gutty. They win two games in overtime. And there's a lot to like about them, okay? As I said, Derek Carr, frankly, is running a fairly high-powered offense. And the elite level he's playing at is what people hoped he could do, but they hadn't seen it on a consistent basis. They've brought in some new faces and a new defensive coordinator, and that has, frankly, energized a, shake, a, a, a you know previously very shaky defense. Tenacity, a, a tenacious pass rush, and they're more, they're more consistency. Now, there's a certain mental and physical toughness, sort of a physical attitude they showed when they beat the Ravens at home and then the Steelers again on the road. And so all of a sudden they're brimming with confidence. And they, all of a sudden the Raiders look like they have a ton of team chemistry. Now people are talking about them, you know, a little bit more seriously. Now Derek Carr said, well, we got a bunch of guys who love football. I don't really like quotes like that. No kidding, you love football. You're playing in the National Football League. But the bottom line is what it really means is I think that they're not out there going through the motions. They're not out there as a team that, you know, will give it their best effort, but they, they can't reach back and find something if the going gets tough. The Raiders actually are confident. They're more confident this year. They thought they were confident last year. They lost some heartbreaking games. They lost some gut-wrenching games. They had some, frankly, fairly disgusting losses last year. But John Gruden has kept him in check, and he says, look, we know we have a long way to go. Gruden sees the same thing that everyone else in the NFL does, that the AFC is flush with contenders. Their own division, the AFC West, is home to three teams that are talented, and you've still got – look, I'm not big on the Chiefs as ter- in, in terms of a Super Bowl winner this year. I'm quite clear – I joked about it with uh, with Jason and Aaron a few weeks back. So remember last year in the Super Bowl, the only touchdown they scored was when the plane landed in Tampa. Well, I was serious. And I'm going to get to a little later. There's a lot of things about the Chiefs that bother me, not the least of which their 30th-ranked defense and Patrick Mahomes and his dipsy-doodle sidearm no-look passes have you know contributed to six turnovers in the last couple of weeks. But they're still going to be a tough out. The Raiders split with a good Kansas City team last year. They got to the Super Bowl. Still going to be tough to go into Arrowhead. And the Raiders want to build on all the positives they've had so far. And I know it sounds cliche, but Derek Carr says, we got to keep going. We can't let this thing go downhill. I guess what I'm trying to say is there's an awareness now that they know how they're being observed. They know that they've teased their fans before. And so although they've beat a couple of strong teams, they don't want to and then, oh, how did I bury this? Remember, they returned home last Sunday to resurrect the ghost of the Miami debacle that took place last December in week 16. So the long and the short of it is, I think there's a cautionary optimism among the Raiders and their quarterback, their leader, their spiritual leader, and a guy who's really playing at elite level, Derek Carr, acknowledges, we got to keep going. We haven't done anything yet. So it sounds like a man who knows the feeling of coming very close to reaching a goal and having it ripped away every year. The Raiders have been in that place where they've let things slip through their fingers. But this time around, I think there's an awareness and they're far more prepared to not let that kind of disappointment creep up on them again. Bottom line, do I think the Raiders are for real? I do. I do. 
We'll see what they do. I, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to win a playoff game. I don't know if they're going to go to the Super Bowl. But you've got to take them very seriously. I do think the Raiders are for real. Here's a few other quick thoughts I've got. The Cowboys, their defense is good enough. They forced eight turnovers in three games. They're much better on defense these days. When they, you know, they they turn the Chargers, a very good Chargers team, over twice in a twenty to seventeen win. They actually produced. Remember, everybody. It seems like a long time ago, they produced four takeaways in that season-opening loss to Tampa Bay. So the Cowboys, we all know that offense is prolific, and Dak looks fantastic. But the defense, I think, is okay. Lamar Jackson, he's on the short list to be the MVP. You got to love what he's doing. Um, that's a team, Baltimore, if you get him down, you better kill him. Because, I mean, I know they let the Raiders up, but since then they've been a whole different team. And, yeah, it took a 66-yard field goal to beat the Lions last week. It's the National Football League. Like I tried to say a couple weeks ago when Colin called some of these teams tomato cans. No, 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 no. There are no tomato cans on the schedule. You can think whatever you want. There are going to be some teams better than others, some teams that have better records than others, but it's a gauntlet. However, shame on the Lions. No one's talking about how they gave a fourth and 18 for Baltimore to get in field goal range, but they did it thanks to Lamar Jackson. By the way, one other thing. I think more people should be talking about the Arizona Cardinals. The downside of playing in the NFC West is that somebody's going to go shortchanged at the end of the year when they hand out prizes. Arizona is kind of in that position. Now, the Niners are the team that played the Super Bowl two years ago. Well, the, the Rams are all of a sudden everybody's darling, and you can't really go to sleep on the Seattle Seahawks, even though that defense stinks, and I told you it did. Minnesota beat them last week. But keep an eye on the Cardinals. I don't know if they're going to beat the Rams tomorrow. Not a game I'm going to bet. They're catching four and a half. A lot of professional money's come in on the Cardinals. We'll see what happens. But if they waltz into SoFi and they beat the Rams, well, then I think you're going to have a situation here where all of a sudden now the Cardinals very much become on the short list as a team that will, you know, could win that division. All right, I, I, I said at the beginning, who's up, who's down, who's up? Carolina Panthers, give it up to Matt Rule. It's time to take them seriously. I said they could be a surprise team before the season. Someone tweeted at me and said, are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. I didn't predict they'd start 3-0, but I was serious they could be a surprise team. It's one thing to beat up on the lowly Jets, as Carolina did in week one, but then they put a beat down on New Orleans, uh, you know, 26-7. to That should have turned some heads, all right? This team is not a sexy team. They're a lunch pail team, and they're currently without Christian McCaffrey. But I'll tell you, the Carolina Panthers are very much on the upswing. Washington, I'm not sure I would have had them on the upswing, but there's something about them and their offense. I would just say this. Their defense will only take them so far. Taylor Heineke will only take them so far. But I wouldn't go to sleep on Washington. Who's down? I just said it earlier. The Kansas City Chiefs. So much for the theory that the Chiefs' defense would would improve once all pro safety uh, Tyron Matthew and defensive end Frank Clark got back on the field this year. Matthew did his part with a couple of interceptions, including a pick six in that 36-35 uh, loss to Baltimore. But that should not ease the sting of that defeat. The Chiefs have now given up 93 points and 1,438 total yards in the first three games. Mahomes and the Kansas City offense will always be capable of magical feats, but we've seen this movie before. 
It was 2018 when that porous defense killed the Chiefs' hopes of reaching the Super Bowl in Mahomes' first year as a starter. By the way, as I said earlier, maybe Mahomes should lose the sidearm, no-look, dipsy-doodle passes, shelve them for a while. The Chiefs turned the ball over four times last Sunday. Did anybody notice? Finally, what does Matthew Stafford bring to the Los Angeles Rams offense that Jeriff Goff couldn't? Well, it's pretty pretty obvious, okay? And Goff was a guy who thrived off half-field reads and two-receiver concepts. And, and the drop-back passing game is a lot different than when Stafford is behind center. I would just say this. later, Maybe later in the show, we're going to go to 3 a.m. I'll tell you about the time the Lions once won 13 games in a row. Still never won a playoff game. But, yeah. I will tell you, and I'll tell you how. I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you right now, real quickly. They won the last four games of 2010 when Scott Van Pelt said, wow, this is a team of the future. Then they proceeded to win the all four games in the preseason in 2011, and then they started out the 2011 season 5-0. and So the last four, the four preseason and the first five of 2011, 13 straight games. Then they were, Stafford remembered they were the Lions and they went five and seven down the stretch and lost to New Orleans in the playoffs. So quantum physics is eventually going to kick kick uh, it, take over with the Rams. They're going to be observed. They know they're going to be observed. The lights are going to get brighter and we'll see if they come through. I told you I'm not rooting against them. If Stafford does it, tip of the cap. They maybe they win a couple of playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. Oh wait, Jared Goff already did that, didn't he? But be that as it may, I tip my cap to the Rams because three weeks in. They look like everybody hoped they would when Matt Stafford was deified and named the Pope of Chili Town when he arrived in Los Angeles with the wrong picture of his wife they showed on TV. That's how crazy the coverage has been in this situation. Keep it going, Rams. You are really kind of the story of the league thus far in the NFL. Come up, uh, Coming up, I've got 10 real takeaways that are more newsworthy than opinion-related and... Uh, I would say this, three games into the season, parity rules, only five of the 32 teams remain undefeated. I'm going to tell you what we've learned so far, 10 takeaways as we've had as we head into October in the 2021 National Football League season. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live in the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We're just getting started. We're going to go all the way up to 3 a.m. tonight. And the NFL is raging. We headed to week four tomorrow, and there's some things we've already learned 
so far after the first three weeks, and I think there is a lot of parity. Only five of 32 teams remain undefeated. But following NFL Week 3, I want to give you a handful of takeaways from the most recent slate of regular season games. Like I said, the five teams undefeated are Carolina, Denver, Las Vegas, Arizona, and the Rams. You notice you don't see Tampa Bay in there. You don't see Kansas City in there. Uh, No one had those five teams, I bet, undefeated after the first three weeks. But we'll see how that continues. By the way, only five teams remain winless three games into the season. It's not a surprise which teams have not won a game yet, though. The New York Jets, the New York Giants, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Wouldn't surprise me if they're all winless after tomorrow. They're all underdogs in their games. And uh, New York's got a particularly tough draw at New Orleans. The Colts are a slight surprise, but the other four winless teams, they're basically skunks. They were expected to be bad. But, hey, the National Football League isn't so simple. Give it up to the Buffalo Bills. They're back in stride. Their last two games, they've outscored their opponents 77-21. to Buffalo is unquestionably the best team in the AFC East by a wide margin, and they should be ranked in the top five of NFL contenders, I would say, shortly. Uh, Justin Fields, okay, you got your wish, people. Justin Fields got a taste of what it's like to play in the NFL Sunday. Uh, He had a very difficult first road start in Cleveland. I know everybody wants to blame Matt Nagy, uh, but look, at some point, and there were a lot of simple plays drawn up for him. Uh, single read throws, drop back, get the ball out of your hand, throw it to your guy. Sometimes he didn't get the ball out of his hand. This is not Ohio State where you can drop back and take off and run and make a play. And, you know, yes, Lamar Jackson does it. Yes, Michael Vick did it. Yes, Patrick Mahomes does it. Uh, y- yes, uh, Kyler Murray does it. But let me tell you something. Those guys can all operate from the pocket. And... No matter what you do in the National Football League, if you're going to be a major league quarterback, you have to learn how to operate from the pocket. At the end of the day, a scout is always going to look at a quarterback when evaluating him and say, and this is now this is on the field because I think Justin Fields is a stellar individual. Great huddle presence, great human being, leader, all those things. He's still got to learn to operate from the pocket. He leaves, he's either going to do it or he's not. Because at the end of the day, a scout is going to want to ask you, who are you at your foundation? We went through this with Johnny Manziel years ago. Are you a NFL pocket passer who can do those other things, or are you merely an improvisational freelancer? It, it, the story continues tomorrow, and I'm going to get into Justin Fields later in the show with some straight talk. Uh, not to say that he cannot be a star in this league someday, not to say he can come back and go to a Super Bowl. But for now... What I'm seeing is not very, I'm, it's not very encouraging. He's not recognizing what's taking place in front of him. And don't take my word for it. Call up some NFL scouts and get them to talk. But let's see. He's only, you know, he's just starting his career. Let's be fair about this. Speaking of Kansas City, they've now lost two straight games. Not only lost two straight games, they lost him in the final minutes which is very uncharacteristic of the Chiefs. Right now, Kansas City looks very vulnerable. It looks like teams have found the formula. I said before the season, I thought Cleveland, you know, Cleveland had them beat, by the way, week one. Their punter gives it up, and they they, they commit a stupid turnover. But Cleveland was winning that game 
the formula is to run the ball against him in that 30th-ranked defense. Kansas City's already two games behind Denver and Las Vegas in what's going to be a brutally tough AFC West division race. And, yes, they look vulnerable. They head to Philadelphia tomorrow. They're a road favorite. And before you lay the wood, they're laying six and a half. Kansas City 2-12 and 12 against the spread in their last 14 games. Uh, I think you can – if you're a Titans fan, you should be very confident that the AFC South is yours for the taking. Yeah, they're 2-1 right now, and they've got injuries, but the other three teams in the division are combined 1-8. and eight. The Colts needed to win, uh, you know, and I, they need to win today at Tennessee is what I guess I'm trying to say. Or check that. What's wrong with me here? I haven't been drinking, I promise. The Colts, the Colts played Tennessee last week, and Frank, the, the Tennessee's at, at the Jets tomorrow. Colts needed to win last week against Tennessee, and they didn't. And I think in, in that game, it kind of showed who they're going to be. They're, they're, they're a bit of a train wreck, and Carson Wentz, his best days are behind him. Give it up to the L.A. Chargers for a very gutsy performance and, and uh, an unexpected win outright as a touchdown underdog at Kansas City. It appears the projections on the Chargers as a serious contender, they're accurate. Every AFC West divisional game is going to be critical this season. Man, look at Justin Herbert go. Now, that's a quarterback. Give it up to Teddy Bridgewater, who's doing a fine job. I think he's got six touchdowns, two interceptions. I like the way Teddy's handled himself. Or, or not, not Teddy, uh, Jameis Winston, excuse me. Jameis has done a fine job for the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, though, are that Jekyll and Hyde team in the NFL. They look great one week and horrible the next. They destroyed the Packers and the Patriots, but they completely stunk it up and got hammered in an inexplicable loss to Carolina, although you can give it up to Carolina's defense. But in the Saints' defense, they got through September with a 2-1 record despite no real home games. Remember, they haven't been in the Superdome. Their first home game was moved due to a hurricane. And so New Orleans enjoys some advantages looking ahead on the schedule. By the way, the best offense in the NFL might actually belong to the Arizona Cardinals. They're averaging 34 points a game. But now the real test begins. Arizona's next three games, Rams, 49ers, and Browns. But if they can go 2-1 and one against that trio of tough teams, Mark the Cardinals down as a serious contender in the NFC West. As I said, they're at the Rams tomorrow. They're catching four and a half. Credit Denver for a perfect 3-0 start. I told you I love Teddy Bridgewater. They've covered all three games, including a 26-0 victory last Sunday. But there is a – pundits are going to say, are there any quality wins in that bunch? Are there? You know, they, they opened up versus the New York Giants – and then they played the Jaguars, and then they played the Jets. Okay, I get it. They're combined 0-9. But they did what they needed to do, and they did it in convincing fashion. It's a perfect formula for looking better than they actually are. Now, tomorrow, some reality could be setting in. Their game at Baltimore will be the Broncos. Actually, I've got to look this up. Baltimore beat might be at Denver. Uh, the long and the short of it is, that tomorrow they're going to be tested. And if Denver passed that test and they're 4-0, first of all, if you start 3-0 in the National Football League, you make the playoffs about 77% of the time. But I just like the way they're doing it. They have a much better offense than people give them credit for. Vic Fangio in that defense, we know how Vic Fangio knows how to put together defenses. He was the architect of that great defense in uh, 
uh, uh, San Francisco when they went to the Super Bowl back in 2012. So, so there you have it. Those are some early takeaways from three weeks into the season. And tomorrow, I think you start to set, you know, sort the craft from the manure. There's going to be some really good uh, divisional games coming up tomorrow, and some teams are going to be tested. And in about a little less than an hour, Fezzik will be coming up with the Fezzik Five. We're going to go over a lot of the games. He'll give his best bets, and we'll get into some real hard analysis in terms of, the, you know, the matchups that we're seeing tomorrow. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Coming up, which NFL teams have done the best against the spread and which have done not so well against the spread? But first... Let's go to the man. He's a man with great intellectual curiosity. And later on in the show, he's going to explain to us why just exactly hot dogs come in packages of 10, but buns come in packages of 8. Is Bruin Finley with the latest. Well, thank you so much, Bernie. I worked out on my buns today, and I think we're talking about a different form of buns. But... TMI, my friend. TMI. <laughs> yeah. So we've got one college football game involving a top 25 team still going on in Honolulu. Hawaii has a lead against number 18, Fresno State, 20. 27 to 24 under two minutes to go in this ball game as Fresno State has it and they're trying to find something here. They have turned it over five times and this would be a humongous upset if it were to be pulled off by the Rainbow Warriors. Speaking of upsets, Arizona State, they get it done at the Rose Bowl against number 20 UCLA 42 to 23 as the Bruins were shut out in the second half and Herm Edwards and his Sun Devils improved to 4-1 and one on the season. Number 22 Auburn and Bo Nix, they storm into Happy Val- or Death Valley and win against LSU 24-19. Knicks had two touchdowns. Happy Valley, number four, Penn State, victorious over Indiana, 24 to nothing. The Nittany Lions forced two turnovers, and the Hoosiers just could not get anything going on the ground. 69 yards rushing in the contest. Number 25, Clemson scores their only first or their only touchdown in the first quarter but that was all they needed with a couple field goals added to it as they finish off Boston College 19 to 13 number 19 Oklahoma State is 5 and 0 after butchering number 21 Baylor 24 to 14 17th ranked Michigan State how about this 5 and 0 after polishing off Western Kentucky 48 to 31 Mississippi State and Mike Leach get a keynote win on the road against number 15 Texas A&M 26 Six to twenty-two. Will Rogers threw for four hundred eight yards and three touchdowns for the Bulldogs. Kentucky stays unbeaten as they hold down number ten Florida twenty to thirteen. Stanford wills back and wins in overtime against number three Oregon thirty-one to twenty-four. Sixth-ranked Oklahoma gets past Kansas State thirty-seven to thirty-one. A win for number one Alabama over Ole Miss. Victorious is number eleven Ohio State. So is seventh-ranked Cincinnati as. They puncture number nine, Notre Dame, 24 to 13. Des Ritter, the quarterback for the Bearcats, had three touchdowns, two through the air and one on the ground. That one came in the fourth quarter. And finally, Bernie, the Dodgers and the Giants still have not decided wow. upon this NL West title. How about this, Bernie? So the Dodgers won on Saturday, 8 to 3. They beat the Brewers. The Giants lost to the Padres. And now their lead in first in the NL West for San Fran is one game. So how this stacks up, Bernie, it all comes down to Sunday. If the Dodgers win and 
the Giants lose, that would set us up for a Giants versus Dodgers game 163 to decide who wins the division crown. That would be in San Francisco on Monday. So the winner would be your division champ. The loser would get a wild card spot. So you talk about drama, Bernie, down the stretch here in baseball. It is firmly fixated on the NL West. I just send it back to a man who knows a thing or two about playing some baseball and even did it professionally. Bernie Fratto. Thanks so much. The dulcet tones of Brian Finley, Bruin Finley. Uh, and by the way, you're right, Brian. That would be something, especially when you consider the fact the Dodgers had won 100. And, I believe they won 105 games. Somebody would have told me last April the Dodgers won 105. They've got to play for the right to win the division on the last day of the season. I said, oh, man, what a season this must have been. By the way, the Giants, I believe their season total over-under bet was like 76 games. Five respected books here in Las Vegas had the Arizona Diamondbacks winning more games than the San Francisco Giants. That's why this is so hard to do. By the way, just to set the record straight, Denver is home tomorrow against Baltimore. They're getting one point. They're one of six home dogs. We'll be going over a lot of this stuff with Fezzik at about 1220. Speaking of against the spread, the aforementioned Denver Broncos are not only 3-0 and against the spread this year with Teddy Bridgewater, who's now a sparkling 38-14 and against the number in his career as a starter. Uh, Teddy is also, I believe, 23-2 and on the road as a starter. Denver is not just covering the spread. They're covering by a margin of 16 points per game. Can they beat Baltimore tomorrow at home as a dog? Why not? Not a game I'm involved in. I think Colin likes the home team there. Um, in his blazing five, not sure. The Dallas Cowboys, always good to see the Cowboys do well in the National Football League, and I'll tell you why. They're like the Celtics or the Lakers uh, or the Yankees or the Red Sox, the Dodgers. Love them or hate them, it's just better for the league when marquee teams do well. Dallas, 3-0 against the spread. They're not undefeated, but the 3-0 against the spread and their good value. Dallas all not only covered all three games, but they covered by an average margin of 4.4 points. Tomorrow, they're home laying four against Carolina. A lot of professional money's coming on Carolina. Speaking of Carolina, 3-0 and against the spread as well. Give it up to Matt Rule. Again, they're not just covering the spread. They're covering by an average margin of 18 points per game. Why? They've got a great defense. Now, the bottom of the barrel. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, they were 0-3 against the number until Thursday night. They covered, but they didn't win. But prior to Thursday, Jacksonville was not only 0-3 against the number, they were not covering by an average margin of 7 points per game. Good effort Thursday night by Jacksonville. They just came up short. What do you expect? They're a 1-15 team with a quarterback making his debut, a coach making his debut. But they showed some positive signs. The Chiefs. The great equalizer is the, is the betting line, right? The Chiefs 0-3 against the spread this year, failing to cover by a total of four points per game. Kansas City now 2-12 against the number in their last 14 games. Well, their 30th-ranked defense, 31st against the run, might have something to do with that. Jason Smith's New York Jets really bringing up the rear. 0-3 against the spread this year, losing, not covering by an average margin of 19.3 points per game. What's interesting though, the Jets open up as a seven and a half point home dog against Tennessee tomorrow. Now 
professional money's come in on the Jets, and the Jets are now down to six. Tennessee's got a couple of key injuries. Again, not a game I'm on, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The Minnesota Vikings, we've talked about this. Mike Zimmer, if you blindly bet him in his career, is almost 60% against the number. No difference this year. 2-1 and one against the spread, 66%. Vikings covering by an average of 3.5 points per game. Interestingly enough, they're a home dog tomorrow against the visiting Cleveland Browns. Is Cleveland getting too much respect with that line, laying a point on the road at Minnesota? Maybe. Make, make make all the fun you want at Dan Campbell, but if you've backed the Lions, you're 2-1 against the number this year. And, uh, you know, there's a situation tomorrow where it's a divisional game at Chicago. They're catching three. I'm not involved in that game. Tomorrow, I think, is one of the toughest cards I've seen in a while. There's a couple games I'm on that I'll get to later in the show, but this is not one of them. But if I had a gun to my head, I'd be inclined to take Detroit plus the points, plus three, but... You always got to hold your nose when you when you back that team because you expect the unexpected. Trust me, I know I covered them 10 years. The Raiders, not only winning on the field, 2-1 and one against the number, covering by an average of three points per game. The Saints, 2-1 and one against the spread, covering by 11 points per game. Make fun of Aaron Rodgers all you want, but after that opening debacle, the Packers have covered their last two. The Bills covered in fine fashion, 2-1, and one, plus 13 points against the spread. Some marquee teams that aren't so good against the number. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're 1-2 and two against the spread this year and uh, failed to cover by a total of an average of two points per game. Same situation with the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson. Never lost three games in a row in his career. Tomorrow, the Seahawks, uh, bah, bah, bah. Well, I've got to look this up, uh, but I, I believe they're home. I'll look this up and I'll have it for you. Uh, Seattle has been expensive in the past. It's a situation now where it's starting to catch up with them. They're still expensive, one and two against the number. We'll see what they do uh, tomorrow. San Francisco 49ers, yes, they're on the short list to go to the Super Bowl, but they're only one and two against the number. And, uh, again, when you when you bet a quality team like that, you're probably going to pay a tax. Baltimore Ravens only one and two against the number. Chicago Bears and Philadelphia Eagles only one and two against the number. Finally, some teams with value. Maybe they're not three and zero oh against the spread, but you got a situation where you feel like you get value with them if you back them. All right, Cleveland they're laying points on the road, but they're still two and one against the number, covering by an average of eight points. The Rams two and one against the number. Miami, Cincinnati, Houston, give it up. Give them credit. They're competing. Arizona, Tennessee, the L.A. Chargers are all 2-1 and one against the spread so far in the season. The Seahawks will travel to San Francisco tomorrow. They're catching 2.5 points. As I said, Russell Wilson has never lost three straight starts in his career. All right, coming up, there's a goofy Week 4 trend having to do with teams who are coming off of Straight-up underdog win, and there's several of them that did it last week. However, if you're one of those teams, you're jinxed. And there's one other huge key takeaway we did learn from week three of the NFL season, and it has to do with a team that has high hopes every year, but they never seem to live up to their billing. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto.
We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. That would be Brian Finley, Bruin Finley, Chris Perfett, and Bull Benson. And yes, they'll be with me all the way through to 3, p- 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Got a ton of stuff for you. Here's an interesting week four NFL trend that comes out of left field. If you're an NFL team and the week prior you're coming off a straight up underdog win, I mean, you were underdog, and not only did you cover the spread, you went out right, then the following week you're 4 and 10 against the spread. That's already happened 14 times this season, but the following week they're only 4 and 10 against the spread. Worse, if you're at home following the surprise win, you're only 1-5 and five against the spread. There's several teams that fall into this category this week. You've got Atlanta, and they're catching uh, 1.5 points at home against Washington. You've got Green Bay. Green Bay is laying 6 uh, at home against Pittsburgh. You've got the L.A. Chargers Monday night. They're laying three at home against the Raiders. You've got the Rams tomorrow laying four and a half. They're at home against the Arizona Cardinals. You've got Minnesota plus one. They're at home against Cleveland. And finally, New Orleans. New Orleans is minus seven. They host the New York Giants. They're all home tomorrow. They're looking to avoid this curse. Remember, NFL teams coming off a straight-up underdog win they're 4-10 and 10 against the spread this season. Worse, if they were at home following this unexpected win, they're only 1-5 against the number. I went over just a bunch of things I thought we learned from the, uh, you know, the first three weeks of the NFL season. There's something we learned from week three as well. Well, a couple things, okay? Uh, Josh Allen, well, yeah, he's still Josh Allen. The haters and naysayers that uh, wanted to write his epitaph after week one. Not not so much. Steelers, eh, I don't think they're going to win their bet with... They bet on Ben Roethlisberger. I don't think that's going to be a winner. But the number one takeaway from week three in the NFL, you have got to love these new-look Los Angeles Chargers, the way they're coached, the way they play, and they took they did exactly what it takes to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Guts, guts, and more guts, and endless supply of guts. And I want to first give a huge tip of the cap to Chargers coach Brandon Staley. He understands that if you're driving against the Chiefs, you punt at your own peril, you kick field goals at your own peril, and you work the clock too. That's an ancient concept uh, that some coaches, I'm not going to mention any names, Mike McCarthy, don't seem to know how to work the clock. See, because conventional football wisdom flies out the window when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Chiefs offense, which is still scary. But it finally appears there's a coach and a quarterback and a team in the AFC, and they even happen to be in the AFC West, that gets all that. They're called the Los Angeles Chargers. This team looks scary to me. Staley calls pass plays often, first down, early, late, fourth down, and his quarterback, Justin Herbert, he delivered 281 passing yards on 26-38, four touchdowns and no interceptions last week. The Chargers proved they are not the Chargers of old. They stunned the Chiefs 30-24, to in Kansas City. Now, the reason Staley Staley talked about it in his in his post game news conference, he says when you're playing an offense that's this historic, 
and you're playing against three players that are, are, quote, historic players in the game of football, you better be aggressive. Not reckless, but you better be aggressive. So even with the Chargers taking a 14-point lead in the first half, and it seemed there was more than enough time for Mahomes to conjure his magic, which you expect him to do at this point. Just ask the 49ers in the Super Bowl three years ago. Here's what happened in the third quarter as Mahomes threw two consecutive touchdown passes to all of a sudden give the Chiefs a 17-14 lead. Then the drama ramped up when the Chiefs scored on an eight-yard shovel pass to McCole Hardman to take a 24-21 lead with six minutes to go, six minutes and change. But the Chargers punched back. First Herbert, he directs a a 10-play, 69-yard drive, ties the game at 24, and that's when just one week after Herbert's a costly turnover and a loss to the Ravens. Check that. Mahomes had another. Be- Check that it was when Mahomes had his costly turnover against the Ravens. He had another back-breaking error. His third and eight overthrow. He overthrew Travis Kelsey. He was intercepted by Aloha Gilman at the Chargers' 41-yard line with a little less than two minutes left. This is where a cool cucumber Justin Herbert goes back to work on third and two. On the first set of downs, he fires a 15-yarder to Keenan Allen in stride. Then on fourth and four, with 48 seconds left, Staley says, I'm not kicking a 47-yard field goal to win it. Hell with that. He kept the offense on the field for fourth and nine. You talk about the guts of a burglar, I could say something else. Herbert uncorks another fastball to Jalen Guyton and Chiefs cornerback DeAndre uh, Baker was flagged for interference. Bottom line, they take the ball down. They score. Most teams would have settled for a field goal. That's the safe call, the right call, not against the Chiefs. Coming up, we talk college football. What a crazy day. Stick with us. I'm Bernie Fratto, and this is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! 